2: is my co-host, Charlie. Charlie, I think, what, is this the third week in a row?
0: I have no idea.
2: I think this is the third week in the row. I got to give you some props here at the top of the show. You've been true to your word. You said you'd be back and here you are. So it is great to have you back on the show. We've got a ton of things to talk about today, Charlie. I guess I could give the whole Never Graduates feel again. Like, hey, if you haven't listened to it yet, give it a shot. Never graduate. We're going to put it in this feed. We're also going to put it in a separate Never Graduate feed. It is our new national college football podcast. Charlie, are you ever going to make an appearance? People want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. Probably not. Why? You, know, you gave me such crap last week, or two weeks ago, I don't know when, when you claimed that I, very inaccurately, you claimed that I never invited you on the show.
0: I had not been invited.
2: You had been invited. Selective hearing.
0: No, negative.
2: Selective hearing. So are you gonna get I think an,
0: one show is good.
2: One show? One show for Charlie? Yeah. I think you can make an appearance.
0: I think one show is good.
2: Well, Charlie might or might not be on there, but I will be there and we are talking some hardcore national college football just like we talk hardcore Georgia football here on Glory UGA. So make sure to check that out. I think you guys will enjoy that. If you enjoy this show, you can follow that account on social media. That's at no grad Pod. You can follow this podcast on social media also and that is at glory underscore uga on twitter but enough of that charlie we have a lot of stuff to get through today a lot of news coming out of this week and i want to make sure we have enough time to get to at least most of it so uh what do you got for me
0: all right well this was supposed to be an sec media days recap episode but kirby smart didn't want to answer the questions about his contract that he had not signed which he was supposed to sign i don't know January. Sometime
2: between the national championship and now. A long time ago.
0: So with that breaking news, stealing the headlines, having everybody continuing to talk about Georgia after they were at SEC Media Days on Wednesday, he has signed a 10-year, $112.5 million deal.
2: Wait, can you read that one more time?
0: 10 years, $112.5 million. Oh my
2: God, that's a lot of, that's a lot of money. It's
0: a lot of money. It's a lot of
2: cash, a lot of cash.
0: What do you think of this new contract?
2: All right, I actually want to give you the floor here for a second. I know when, I think I, I texted you or you texted me. I think I texted you about Kirby's New Deal. And what was your initial response to that? No. That, that's exactly what I have. I mean, I can't show you guys right now, but I have the text. I'm looking at it and Charlie just said one word, two letters, N-O, no. What did you mean by no?
0: I believe my next text was that it's ridiculous and totally absurd.
2: Let me pull. Okay, I just put it away. So let me put my phone back out now. So yes, Charlie said no. Um, I said now official, ridiculous, and totally absurd. Yes, you did. That's exactly what you said. And then I sent you a screenshot of an article. I was like, maybe you which some- I didn't read. Yeah, I guess I, I sent you that because I thought maybe you didn't believe me. And then you responded by, "Can you explain to the audience what this is?"
0: A uh, vomit. A vomit face emoji.
2: Face emoji. A vomit face emoji. So clearly. You seem to have some pretty strong feelings about Kirby Smart's new contract. Do you care to explain?
0: I'm sure that there's a lot of good that is done with that money. I'm sure that he deserves it. That's just an outrageous sum of money.
2: It is supply and demand. It's the market. It's the forces of the market at work here, Charlie.
0: But, I mean, you don't think Kirby deserves that? I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it, but it's also It's
2: also kinda of disgusting ridiculous. that a football coach it's a hundred and twelve yes. and a half million dollars. I, I when there's more uh, I think your view, in talking to you a little bit more about it when you got in here today, is that there are maybe more noble professions where they don't get paid a fraction of that is Many. Many more. Many more. I think that the in your opinion, I think that's putting it lightly. But Coaches? I'm not
0: saying he doesn't work hard. He works around the clock. I understand that. He I also has a big think,
2: impact on these kids' lives.
0: I just think that 10 plus million dollars a year is a lot of money.
2: It's a lot of money, Charlie. But uh, again, yeah, I mean, it's it's capitalism at its finest, right? Supply and demand. You give us the long away national title, and this is what you get. But, I mean, Charlie, it's market forces that work here. I mean, do you remember what Mel Tucker got in the middle of last season?
0: Yes, I do. I also think that was absurd.
2: I mean, $95 million? $95 million for Mel Tucker, who has won nothing? I mean, I guess, well, well they won a Peach Bowl. So I guess that's something. But hasn't won a championship of any sort. So, I mean, I'm not... Like the actual number, when you see it, you're like, "Whoa, that's a lot of money." But I'm not surprised. I figured it had to be had to be more than what Mel Tucker made. Had to be more than what Brian Kelly got at LSU, which was nine and a half million. Um, I figured it was to be more than what Jimbo got, which is what I think hundred million.
0: All of those amounts are absurd.
2: They are, but
0: especially when you live in Florida and Texas, and they don't pay income tax.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, Georgia, you know, we got a low income tax, but like Lincoln Riley got $100 million. So I was like, he's got to be more than Lincoln and Riley. But hey, $112 million in Athens, Georgia is a lot further than $100 million, or at least reportedly $100 million in Los Angeles for Lincoln Riley. But don't you think this is good for the University of Georgia? Sure. Sure? Like, okay, for the football program. Is it good for the football program?
0: Sure, absolutely.
2: You are really upset about this. I'm not. I'm thrilled about this because this means Kirby Smart is staying around for a long time, which I didn't think he was going anywhere. I was at least like mildly alarmed when those reports, did you see those reports earlier this week came out? Like, you know, right after COVID kind of ended, they were allowed to get recruits back in. He kind of contemplated stepping down and resigning. I was like, whoa, whoa, stop there. But I guess when they throw $112 million in your face, it kind of stops any potential thought of doing that. But I've always felt he was going to be here because this is an all-moder. They've got deep roots here, but it's nice to see it actually finalized because, Charlie, I think that we are set up to really put forth a dog dynasty. I've kind of been saying that since 2017, and I think it's closer to fruition now than ever before.
0: Right, but why do you think it took so long to get it signed?
2: My honest opinion, I have no idea. My, my speculation here, I thought... All along, I thought we were waiting for like a big recruiting weekend to like spring it on like Arch Manning or whoever it was. We have some of these big summer recruiting weekends, and let's say, hey guys, I'm gonna be around for ten more years. They're making a commitment to me, so jump on board. And that never happened. And I think it's very convenient to see it happen like right after he makes his appearance at SEC Media Days. Like, really, like what a day after SEC Media Days after Kirby was at, at SEC Media Days. To me, what this was is Kirby. Had agreed to this behind the scenes But he didn't want to have to answer the questions about it in front of all those national media members. Well,
0: yeah, he's going to be making more than $10 million a year. He doesn't want to explain that.
2: Especially when he, I will say, you know, they're kind of talking on both sides of his mouth when he said, I don't think that college players should be making $10,000 a month or $10,000 a year or whatever he said. And it's like, well, I mean.
0: He's going to be making uh, almost a million a month, uh, so.
2: Yeah, so I mean, so I I think you kind of want to avoid those questions because to me, it's just too convenient for it to be announced one day after he gets in front of the assembled college media and takes all those questions as all those radio hits it's too convenient so I think he really just wanted to avoid those questions he won't see the media again I guess until fall camp so we got a couple of weeks and that's just the Georgia media it's not the national media people aren't paying as close attention to that his words won't be sparsed as much as they would if he if that was all announced uh, prior to SEC media so even if it was announced like a month and a half, month ago two months ago he was still gonna be answering all those questions but uh I'm glad he's locked up I are you at least glad he's locked up Charlie Yes, whoa! Like very vociferous today. I appreciate your insights. A lot of money. I just feel like yeah, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But I'm very glad that he is locked up. I feel great about it. I'm excited. I want to kind of run through. a brick I really wall.
0: don't feel like I should be paying for season tickets if we're playing like nobody's.
2: Oh, okay. So like it just
0: goes into the whole like fair. You're making ten and a half million dollars this year and more mm-hmm. every year after
2: for you the know, next it's really ten years.
0: And I'm paying yes a small amount for season tickets. It's
2: not necessarily a small amount. And I
0: mean, we have a crappy schedule.
2: Yeah, well, that's interesting, Charlie. You know, one of the arguments that you always hear in terms of playing these like FCS teams and these lower, like these Group of Five teams, like, well, that's how they fund their programs, right?
0: Well, he could donate directly exactly. to a college. Clearly,
2: our athletic program, like we we play, we pay these teams, you know, upwards of a million or so dollars for them to come, pl- come play us.
0: That's like one month salary. Right.
2: So clearly we have the money to just like like if I, there you guys you could get creative here to solve the problem that you're bringing up like each university each of these power 5 programs puts a certain amount into a pool and they fund those programs because clearly the money's there if Kirby Smart over 10 years is getting 112 million dollars like that that argument that hey we got to fund these programs that's always fallen on deaf ears to me because it's like guys we have the money to pay them regardless and we still play bigger opponents and better games
0: and I'm not saying that we should not fund those programs I absolutely think yes I think we definitely should should fund those programs they should be
2: funded yes but
0: I don't think That power five schools should be why do we like we can fund
2: them and, and, and like not play, and not play them? That's all that's yeah, yeah. like we, we can fund them, we can help like fund those programs and not have to play them and make us watch those games. And I like, some of those players could potentially get hurt. And again, like you said, paying customers have to pay to watch those games, and no one wants to watch those games. I don't want to watch those games, period. Um, but all right, so yeah, Kirby Smart 10 years, 112. What would you do with a hundred and twelve and a half million dollars? Charlie, I
0: would work for one year and then retire
2: no see i would keep working i would get no. way too bored if i did, like, no. just no i would work i would work but i would have to see it's like stress-free work because you're like oh i got this 112 million dollars so like i don't gotta worry about it yeah no. i mean you gotta get up early i don't like getting up early that would suck i would find a job where i didn't have to get up early kind of make my own hours that's yeah. what i would do
0: all right well let's move on to sec media days georgia was up on wednesday um, let's see, it was obviously Kirby Smart, Stetson Bennett, Cedric Van Praan, and Nolan Smith. And the biggest news that came, not the biggest news, but Kirby's biggest point um, after SEC Media's days was the idea of taking the Georgia-Florida game out of Jacksonville and making it a home-and-home home series. Uh, people don't like this. Some people like it. What do you think? It's a lot of
2: passionate feelings on both sides of this. I I have a lot of thoughts here charlie but just like with the first question i am actually going to put it to you i know you also have strong feelings about where this game is played particularly about jacksonville downtown jacksonville in particular so i'm just gonna let you take it here and then i'll kind of bounce off what you say about this game potentially moving to athens and gainesville and out of jacksonville
0: i think it should be home and home why are we paying
2: we're not paying they're paying us
0: well, okay, but why are we allowing every? We could be reaping the benefits as a city mm-hmm. and a university every other year. Yes, and then they talk about the recruiting thing too. I get that, but our city loses a lot of money.
2: What would you say to the people of the Golden Isles, Saint Simon's Island, Amelia Island?
0: Well, I never go there, so I don't
2: really. Well, care. oh, so I, so this is my point, okay? <laughs> just, oh, that was cold blooded. That's true.
0: I didn't think about that. They're losing. That's a, a lot major of money economic too. impact for them, but. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't understand it. You're saying it's a neutral site game when Florida drives an hour and a half, two hours, and we're driving five. We fly.
2: We fly. They well, now I mean, pay us to fly. Yeah. Right,
0: but we're traveling farther. And it is it is in the
2: state of Florida, fair, yes. And it's
0: also in But, but Jacksonville. you've been
2: to that game many, many times. Like, do you ever get the feel that we're at a disadvantage playing in that stadium no. No, I do not ever get the feel that we're at a disadvantage. Some people say that. I personally don't get that feel, but I'm glad you went where you went, Charlie, because in my response to this question, what I would say first and foremost is that I think that there, I think we all have to admit whatever position we have on this issue, moving this game out of Jacksonville, keeping it in Jacksonville, there is inherent selfishness kind of built into every position. Like just, And I don't mean that as a shot on anybody. I don't, don't mean that as a shot at you, Charlie, saying you're a bad person or saying anyone's a bad person for their viewpoint. We are all entitled to our viewpoints. And of course, we're gonna be selfish. We're all egocentric individuals. You mentioned that you wish that the city of Athens and our university could have that economic impact. And that's a very fair point. There's nothing wrong with saying that, but there's a degree of selfishness there because you are an Athens local. Whereas people in you know, St. Simons or wherever down the Golden Isles, they would just have a different viewpoint. And say, well, what about our city? What about our locales and the economic impact for us? So you know, it's, it's a really tough issue that has a lot of layers to it. I am selfish in my view in this game. I thought you were going to rip Jacksonville a little harder than you did there. I know. Well,
0: people who have been listening to this show know they my know, feelings yeah, about Jacksonville. Yeah, we've
2: talked about it before. That's something that's that's not new. We do have some new listeners, so for those who maybe haven't heard our thoughts on Jacksonville, I mean I'll just put it out there. Like, I am selfish. I will admit this. I am selfish when I say I wish this game was home and home because downtown Jacksonville is a desolate hollowed out carcass because that's kind of how i view downtown jacksonville the city of jacksonville is nice there are really nice areas in jacksonville san marco really nice they got five points really nice areas but downtown where this game is played where it's located it is a, like, it makes Auburn look like this oasis, Charlie. Like, it legitimately does. There is nothing going on. And then on top of that, I just personally prefer college games to be played on college campuses. I do not like neutral site games, period. I am not happy that our week one match against Oregon is played in Atlanta. I don't want to be a part of it. I want that to be a home and home series itself. I don't like neutral site games. I get, obviously, there's more tradition attached to this game, but I just don't like them. So my viewpoint selfish. Charlie's viewpoint is selfish. People who want this game to be in the Golden Isles for the economic impact it brings them, there's some selfishness there. There is a degree of selfishness in the people who want to preserve their long vacation weekend they've been taking for 30 plus years so they can let loose and party. And the thing is, none of these positions are more valuable than the others. They're just not. They all have merit. And that's why this is such a multi-layered issue. And it just creates a lot of controversy when it gets brought up. The part that makes me hesitant to move it out of Jacksonville, Charlie, is this. It's the tradition aspect of it. I value tradition in college football. I put a premium on traditions in college athletics in general, and I'm always hesitant to see those go by the wayside. So how do you feel about losing that tradition of playing this game in Jacksonville?
0: I think it would be great to not drive five and a half, six hours one weekend
2: but that's the selfish viewpoint. What about the people who live in South Georgia who have to drive all the way up here every weekend to come watch Georgia play?
0: That's choice, but that's a choice, I guess. But I'm just selfish.
2: Yes, but you also have a choice to not drive down to Jacksonville for that game. But I, I would
0: also like to go see a new campus.
2: And I, I, I would, I agree with that. Now, Gainesville, Florida is, I, honestly, I've never been to Gainesville. Have you been to Gainesville? no. I've never been to Gainesville, so I can't, I mean, I've heard people talk about Gainesville, but I can't speak on it myself because I've never had a chance to go. But I would like, I'm like you, I would like to experience a new stadium. And that's the thing, Charlie, I I do empathize with people who talk about losing the tradition of this. But here's here's an example for you guys. I, I don't know how many people realize this anymore. I mean, old timers do. Some of you younger people, I don't know if you realize this, but Alabama and Auburn used to play in Birmingham every single season from like, the ni- early 1900s to like 1987, 1988. Did that game, Charlie, lose any of its national luster when they moved to a home-and-home home series?
0: No, it did not. Absolutely not.
2: No, in fact, I would argue that that game has grown in prominence since they moved home-and-home. Home. I mean, those games in Auburn have been epic seemingly almost every single year. So, I mean, I get tr- the tradition part of this, and I that does give me some pause to a degree, but here's what I would say to that: It doesn't mean that other traditions can't also be created that end up being better. Okay, because if we went home and home, we would get to infuse the game with, the you know these unique traditions that we have in Athens, in Gainesville, in Saber Stadium, in the Swamp. We had the Battle hymn, in which you know we never get to hear that played in Jacksonville. Uh, you have the actual dog walk. I guess Florida could do their like two bit thing, or whatever that thing is. So. I think that you could create new traditions that over time become just as memorable and just as meaningful as this game being played in Jacksonville. And again, Auburn, Alabama, they had a tradition playing this game in Birmingham. They moved it and you know what? The world kept spinning on its axis. Like the world did not end. In fact, again, I think that series got maybe a boost going home and home. So at the end of the day, I'm never going to convince someone from Jacksonville that it should be moved and someone from Or someone from South Georgia. I'm not going to convince someone from South Georgia this game should be moved. And someone from South Georgia is never going to convince me that Jacksonville is the best spot for this game. But the one thing I think we can agree on is that we all want what is best for Georgia football. And our head coach, Charlie, you kind of alluded to this, our head coach has been adamant that we are operating at a recruiting disadvantage by having this game in Jacksonville. This guy that we all trust so much, that we just gave $112.5 million to, this guy who knows a hell of a lot more about the inner workings of recruiting than all of us combined, he wants to have this game moved to a home-and-home home series. I've said it many times in this show, I trust Kirby Smart implicitly. If and I know a lot of you, I've seen a lot of people on social media say, well, it's just one recruiting weekend. Is it really that big of a deal? And I, I get where you're coming from, but our head coach says it is. This guy that we trust so much when it comes to recruiting, we give him, we pat him on the back, give him so much applause for how how well he recruits year in and year out. And we start to get all over him when, you know, this year, right now, we just did an episode earlier this week about how recruiting is is not as hot as some people want it to be. Well, we're asking him to recruit at this high level and we hold him accountable when he when it, the, when we perceive that he's not, yet we want him to give up what would be every other year, the biggest recruiting weekend of the season. Having the chance to host those guys on official visits in the biggest game of your regular season at home in Sanford Stadium. So you kind of have people talking on both sides of their mouths with that at times, and that's a little bit frustrating. So for me, if Kirby smart, again, this guy that we trust so much, if he believes that this is something that we need to do to keep up in recruiting, especially now with NIL. NIL has changed things because, you know, obviously teams like AM, Miami, they're paying guys all over the place. It's a different world in recruiting. And we need every bullet in our gun that we can possibly find. And having this game in Athens every other year is some, is, an, is some ammunition that we could use to really continue to recruit at a high level. So if Kirby believes it and he's that adamant about it, then I'm going to trust this guy. I trust him in pretty much every other way, so I don't know why I would not trust him here. I understand all the arguments against moving it and why people want to keep it in Jacksonville, and I empathize with that. I really do. But at the end of the day, I just always err on the side of what's best for the University of Georgia. And I think, at least if we're going to trust Kirby Smart, that moving this game to home and home would be what's best for Georgia. And yeah, I get there's also the benefit for me, personally, selfishly, that I don't have to go to Jacksonville anymore and... I mean, that's just a little added benefit for me. But I think it is probably what's best for Georgia. So I'm in favor of moving it.
1: All right. Well, another thing that caught my attention throughout the week was how the
0: assembled media members were having a field day picking which SEC East team was going to upset Georgia this season. Um, three people I want to talk about. In his debut appearance on the SEC Network, former Auburn linebacker Takio Spikes, did I say that right? You nailed it,
2: Takio Spikes. Declared that
0: South Carolina was going to beat Georgia in week three. We've heard this before. Um, Spikes went on to say he's completely sick of the disrespect that they are putting on Spencer Rattler. Um, the second person was Chris Doring. later in the week called his shot and said that the dogs would fall to Kentucky, which is in Lexington this year on November 19th. And then some guy named Connor O'Gara came on the Paul Feinbaum show um, with a little mischievous glint in his eye and declared that it will be Tennessee that upsets Georgia at home this season. I don't want you to talk about all three of these games because we'll be here for eternity. Um, And I know you probably think that we will win all of those games. I do. Um, But if you had to pick one, which person was closer to being right? Which team would upset the dogs if there was an upset?
2: Who is this Connor? I saw this guy too. I have never heard this person in my life. Maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. I don't know who that guy is, but he made an appearance on the Paul Feinbaum show. And I like the mischievous glint in his eye, Charlie. That's very well said. Very well said. Um, Which one is most likely to be the upset that actually happens? Um, Okay, so I guess I had to go with Kentucky, right? Because I did my ranking of the games, the difficulty level of each of the games on the schedule a couple of weeks ago. And I had Kentucky at the top of the list as the most difficult game on our 2022 schedule. I do want to put a caveat in here. I, I believe I said this on that episode. If I didn't, let me say it now. This does not mean that I think Kentucky is the best team on our schedule. I think they're one of the best teams on our schedule. I put them up there with Tennessee and Oregon. I mean, they're one. And I would honestly, Mississippi State, I think, is really good. The record might not say they are, but I think they're going to be pretty good. I think they're one of the better teams on our schedule this year. I don't necessarily think that they are the best team. In fact, I think Tennessee will be better than Kentucky. Uh, Tennessee and Kentucky's defenses were very similar last year. Neither one was particularly good. I guess you'd have a little bit more faith in Mark Stoops to get that side of the ball right, but offensively Tennessee is just head and shoulders above better than what Kentucky is. It's night and day. It's not even close. I know everyone's really excited about Will Levis for whatever reason, but Tennessee is the proven commodity on the offensive side of the ball. I think Tennessee is the better team out of all three of those teams, but that game is at home, as you said, Charlie. I just don't see us losing to Tennessee at home. We've lost one game at home since 2016. We lost that ridiculous game to South Carolina. We just we don't really lose at home. A big part of that is because we're just better than everyone that we play at home, and that includes Tennessee. Tennessee will have some weapons. They had some weapons last year, and we beat the crap out of them in Knoxville on Rocky Top. So I'm not saying that I don't respect Tennessee. I do. I just think that we're better, and that game's in Sanford Stadium. That one doesn't worry, worry me as much as either Mississippi State or Kentucky, it's just the fact. I mean, Charlie, you've been to games in Lexington. You've been to night games in Lexington. Like that's a pretty underrated environment, right?
0: Yeah, it can get pretty loud it's it pretty I mean, cold.
2: It gets, yeah, it gets. It's usually late in the season, Which, so it gets cold. If you're
0: playing, it doesn't affect them like the heat would. No, it
2: like affects if us. You, if, you, if you old people, no, I'm saying stands, like
0: yeah. if you play in the Big Ten and then you have to go play in Florida when yeah. it's 112 outside, it's yeah. a little different.
2: Yeah, but for like a smaller-ish stadium, it was like 50,000, 60,000 people, something like that, Kroger Field... It can get pretty rowdy. Like they get all this, you know, they get credit for being like a basketball school, which they clearly are. There's no doubt about that, but they like their football team too. And when they're good, I expect them to be pretty good this year. And when you have the defending national champion coming to town, that place is going to get wild. There's just no doubt. It's going to be a tough environment. It's also at the tail end of what I think is the toughest stretch this season. You got to play Florida. Then we come home and play Tennessee. Got to go on the road to Mississippi State and then follow that up with a road trip to Lexington. All in a row without a bye week. That's that's tough. There's going to be some attrition there and kind of a, a body blow factor. I think we're better than Kentucky. We should be Kentucky. We should not lose that game. But I do think that if you had to pick one of those that's more likely to be an upset, I would go with Kentucky. I guess on the road, at the tail end of that tough stretch. I mean, South Carolina. I know that's the one getting all the publicity. It sets, a, it sets up a lot like 2018. I don't want to go too in-depth with South Carolina here because we're going to do the Scott and the Enemy episode with them early next week. But that's a popular pick. You've heard a couple different people out there in the media project South Carolina to beat us in week three at home. But I mean, look, guys... South Carolina beat Vanderbilt and East Carolina by a combined four points last year. They beat Vanderbilt, East Carolina, and Troy by a combined 13 points last year. The three best teams they played, which are Georgia, A&M, and Clemson, they were outscored 114-27, to and they were outgained 1,332 yards to 695. Our total yardage margin last year, guys, was plus 26-25. We outgained our opponents by 2,625 yards in the year. South Carolina, on the other hand, was outgained by 240 yards. You do the math, we were almost 3,000 yards better than South Carolina in our yardage margin. Almost 3,000 yards better. We outscore our opponents by 28 and a half points. They were outscored by 1, 1. 1.4 points. So basically, we were 30 points per game better with our margin as well. We beat more teams by 15 plus points last year than any team in NCAA history. I know last year's team is not going to be out there on the field for us this year, but the talent is still there. So I know Spencer Rattler came in there, and you mentioned that he said that Takeo Spikes said he's tired of the disrespect that Spencer Rattler's getting. I think Spencer Rattler's getting a lot of respect because if people are picking South Carolina to beat us, you know that he's got a big part of that, and they're saying that Spencer Rattler is, he, he accounts for a 3,000-yard difference between Georgia and South Carolina last year, 30 points a game difference in, in our margin. Like, get out of here with that. Of course that guy's getting respect. I, I think South Carolina will be improved. You'll hear me talk about this more next week. But the idea that the presence of Spencer Rattler is going to make up this massive gulf between Georgia and South Carolina in talent, I, I find that comical. I find that comical. I'm not saying they can't give us a run for their money, but guys, we are so much more talented. We're so much deeper than they are. We're so much better coached than they are. Culture so so much more established. I just don't even, I just don't see that happening. I could be crazy. I could be wrong, whatever. But I think Kentucky is the one that would give us the most trouble.
0: All right. Well, outside linebacker Nolan Smith was one of the three Georgia players that went to SEC media days. And one of the things he said on Wednesday that was interesting was that Auburn's Jordan-Hare Stadium was the hardest stadium to play in in the SEC. Do you buy or sell that?
2: Do you buy or sell? What do you buy?
0: Uh, It can get really loud there.
2: It can be, Especially if
0: it's a night game.
2: I've been there many different times. And, yes, 3.30 games, especially when it gets late, it can be tough. I've been there when it's not that great. Like two thousand, was it two thousand fifteen? Charlie, I think it was. Yeah, Mark Riggs last season. Yeah, and we like Isaiah McKenzie scored. We barely beat them. They weren't that good. We weren't that great. I mean, even though it was a rivalry, I did not think that stadium was very intimidating that day at all. I thought there was a very very tame crowd. But two thousand seventeen, when we were number one, that was insane. It was. I will give them credit. It was one of the most insane environments I've been in for a college football game. I thought. 2019 also was very loud. I thought last year was very loud, at least for the first half, until we kind of pulled away from them. But I will give them credit. Their students are very loud. They do a really good job. They show up early. Um, they don't leave early. It's it's a very tough environment. Now, has Nolan Smith played at LSU, Charlie? I don't. 2008, We played in 2018? No, he has not played at LSU. So would you give Jordan Hare the edge over Tiger Stadium?
0: Yes, because we were playing so poorly in that game. I don't think it ever really reached its...
2: The, yeah, yeah, we Max. just play, like, in LSU. For us to hear. Yeah, we played, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Tiger Stadium was, but we didn't play Tiger, we did not play LSU in Tiger Stadium at night. So I have not experienced that, that stadium at night. So I don't know. But like the stadiums I experienced, it's got to be, if not number one, it's way up there. What about williams Bryce when they get going? Sandstorm, your favorite song in the history of the world?
0: I think Auburn's probably louder.
2: I think it is. It's a bigger stadium. I think it's louder. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think he's right. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it.
0: All right. Well, Kirby did about 100 radio hits, so he said a lot of things over the course of the day on Wednesday. But what did you find to be the most interesting thing that he said during media days, but you cannot say that something we will not be hunted?
2: About. Oh, I can't because, say that?
0: No, because it's been everywhere. Pick something else. And that's
2: not, he's said that many times before. Like, that's thats not a new thing. Like, I know people in the national media are catching on for the first time. that That's not new for Kirby. Kirby has said that many different times throughout his time here. I'm going to go off the radar a little bit, Charlie, because this is a guy that I am very high on. I told you guys, you know, coming out of the 2022 recruiting class, or guys, I'm sorry, the 2021 recruiting class, I picked Brock Bowers as my guy that would make the biggest year one impact in that class. And, you know, every now and then, we talk a lot on the podcast, you get something right. I got that one right. And the guy I'm calling my shot on this year, I've told you guys this before, is Michael Williams. And so when Kirby Smart. specifically identified him and said, quote, he is something special. And he went on to about his work ethic and and a couple different other things, but he said that he is something special. Charlie, Kirby Smart is not prone to giving a lot of public praise like that to true freshmen. It just doesn't really happen because he doesn't want to put the expectations on those guys. I mean, I watch literally every single press conference this man has ever done at Georgia and it is extraordinarily rare that he talks that glowingly about a true freshman. We did not hear him talk about Brock Bowers in that vein this time last year. He had said some positive things about him, but not he is something special, and we know what Brock Bowers turned out to be. To me, that is a very strong sign that our staff not only believes in Michael Williams, but that Michael Williams is a guy that's going to contribute as I expected him to very early on in his career, as early as in like, oh, I don't know, week one, September 3rd in Atlanta against Oregon. I think he's going to be a major factor for us. The five tech, he has some positional versatility. He can slide inside at times. He can even stand up and play a little outside linebacker for us. He has that kind of athleticism. I'm not going to sit here and call him Trayvon Walker because that dude's the number one draft pick in the NFL draft. That That, that is some high praise. But in terms of his athleticism that he brings to that position, like, Walker did, it ain't that far off. I'm not saying he's going to be Walker. I'm not saying he's going to be the first pick in the NFL draft, but the athleticism is very, very similar. I love his skill set. I think he's explosive off the ball. I think he's got a pretty advanced pass rush move. I think Honestly, more advanced as a pass rusher coming out of high school than even Trayvon was. Trayvon wasn't really a, like a, a super skilled player in terms of like, actually, like fundamentally sound type stuff. Michael, I think is more advanced than Trayvon was coming out of high school. Is he quite as athletic and explosive? Maybe not quite that level, but again, not that far off. So I've always had high expectations for him. I was pumped when we were able to flip him. I was really really upset when he initially committed to USC. and then I was just completely ecstatic once we were able to flip him from USC. And now to hear Kirby Smart say that he is something special at like on a national stage like that. To me, that is eye opening. And I'm very, very excited to see what Michael Williams is able to do for our defense this year. He's going to be inexperienced, we know that, but the talent is clearly there.
1: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. All right. Well, we've pretty much covered the Georgia-specific side of things from Media
0: Days, but there's a few things um, I want to wrap up with today. First, Greg McElroy said that Tennessee coach Josh Heupel, with the outsized expectations in Vol Country, is the head coach under the most pressure in the SEC this year. Buy or sell?
2: I mean, I think he's under pressure to a degree, but
0: did he forget about Brian
2: Harson? There's two. Like Brian, yes. <laughs> like, like what are we talking? Like Brian Harson. If Brian Harson goes five and seven or six and six this year like most people expect like i expect is he surviving charlie no i mean the the power brokers have already tried to run this man out of town now he survived so maybe he has a little bit more leeway now i don't know but you gotta believe if, if they go six and six again he's out of there so yeah i that was the first one that came to mind what about this one charlie jimbo fisher you're talking about expectations you know, you call out Nick Saban, I guess you respond to Nick Saban. And Will
0: this be his first class?
2: First number one class? Yeah. It's his first number one overall recruiting class at Texas A&M. But Charlie, it's not just that the expectations that come with the, from the fan base with the number one recruiting class, the pressure from the boosters who are ponying up no, for I'm all saying, those players. I'm saying, like,
0: does he have all of the players he's recruited playing
2: now? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been there for four okay. years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is all, this is his team now. You can't say, "Well, I got to get my players." And your well, players let's are let's not
0: mention the scandal that broke that uh, one yeah. of his pl- one of his yeah. players that he that was supposed to go to media days
2: and he was him. arrested yeah. Yeah. for DWI. Their their best offensive player. And
0: if that is supposed to be a leader who you're presenting to the public, you, yeah, that just can't be the that.
2: Charlie, let's, let's go on our little time machine here. Do you remember, uh, well, just minute, Florida me. FSU? St- yeah, Florida State. Uh, where Where is their program right now?
0: In the trash can. Yeah,
2: they're in the dumpster. You're exactly right. Um, who put them there?
0: I'm not an idiot. Yeah. Jimbo
2: Fisher. No, I, I mean, I, it's a rhetorical question. Jimbo
0: Fisher? Jimbo S- Fisher. Sounds funny saying it, Jimbo. Yeah, I Jimbo.
2: said that. Yeah, yeah, it was, a rhetor- it was a rhetorical question. But yes, Jimbo Fisher is, in my opinion, solely responsible for where Florida State is right now. I mean, he left that program and as you said, which is a trash can? Dumpster fire. There's a dumpster fire. Yes. He got out of town before things completely blew up, but he allowed that program, Jameis Winston, all those guys to run wild. And now they're still trying to clean up that mess. And now you're starting to see a little bit of that. And I don't want to extrapolate too much here. It's just a couple little things, but you're starting to see some cracks in that foundation and he's got that past history. And I just go back to the pressure all this money being spent by all those boosters all that oil money the gas money in texas they're going to expect return on investment and expect it now and you beat alabama last year so you've kind of wet the appetite those fans are desperate i mean tennessee is desperate for a winner too but they've had more of a winner more recently than a&m as a&m i mean god when's the last time they won a national title like the 40s i don't know some forever ago if even then i'm not even sure so I would honestly put both Brian Harson and Jimbo Fisher ahead of Hypo. I think Hypo does have some pressure to a degree, be kind of exceeded expectations last year. So I think he bought himself some goodwill there. Now if he falls flat on his face this year and has a losing record, goes six and six, and and falls short of those expectations, then yeah, I mean he's going to be feeling the heat a little bit. But I expect him to go seven and five, eight and four, and I think Tennessee fans right now are going to be satisfied with that. He's also recruiting well, which. You know, that buys him a little bit of time and, and generates some more excitement for the future. So I think he's under some pressure, but not as much as as Jimbo and and old Brian Harson.
0: All right. Well, here's another one. This one came out of left field. Vanderbilt head co- head coach Clark Lee said, "We know in time that Vanderbilt will be the best football program oh in the country." What did you make Ooh. of this very bold statement? And I want to know what he is eating and or drinking or taking. Yeah.
2: What is he taking, Charlie? That's what.
0: I mean, I'd like or to do that. Or is he okay? I'd like is to see that okay? positive.
2: Does he need to go see a doctor? Like, uh, Yeah, I mean, God bless him. You know what, Charlie? I respect it. Because what do you expect the man to say? Like, This is a, a program that has no confidence whatsoever. Because why should they have any confidence? So I get he's trying to... He's talking to his players. That's a
0: big jump, though.
2: Of course it is. I mean, you want to set, set high is. expectations, is, yeah.
0: but you don't want to set unrealistic expectations.
2: Well, Charlie, um, there's... Okay, best program in the country is unrealistic. yes. But there are programs like Northwestern has risen up and played in a Big Ten championship game. Of course, they weren't going to win that game, but they've gotten to that point. So can Vanderbilt do that? they're not the best
0: team in the country.
2: They will never be. Well, okay, let's look at it from this perspective.
0: They can certainly be competitive. There's a difference from being competitive and being the best team in the country. That goes to one team every year.
2: Yeah, they're not going to win a national championship. Can we say that? Correct. How much would you bet on Vanderbilt never winning a national championship in football?
0: All the money I have.
2: All the money you have, yes. I uh, Literally, would you bet like... Who, who's your favorite person in the world? Like your dad. Okay, I know you love your dad. Would you bet your dad's life on it?
0: Pretty sure we could do that.
2: Yeah, I think we could do that. Because you know what? It's not going to happen. Your dad's going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, look. I think variable is has some untapped potential nashville is a fantastic town i know that charlie's like giving me a glare here like what are you talking about i know you hate nashville but most normal people charlie like nashville it's a fun place you can recruit that young people would like to come to that town i think you can recruit there it's a very very good academic institution that they have a lot of things that they can use as ammunition in recruiting that i don't think they've been able to tap into the problem for them has always been their institution like just from an institutional standpoint their athletic department the university at large they are not committed to winning at a high level. Their facilities are an absolute joke. I know that they've recently unveiled plans to to build a new stadium, or at least to renovate that stadium tremendously. And that's great. And I, I'm that that is a step in the right direction. But there's just not the buy-in from the fan base. They're never going to be able to generate as much revenue as teams like Georgia and Alabama and Florida and Auburn and LSU. So could they become a better program and maybe get to a point where they're a perennial bowl team? Absolutely. Could they get to the point where maybe every now and then, like once every 30 years, they can play for a SEC title? I don't think that's necessarily out of the question, but you're right, Charlie. That's a, even that's a big leap in saying the best team in the nation. But I respect the bravado, and I think you got to say it, though, Charlie, because you're trying to instill some confidence and belief in that program, which has none of that. So I don't begrudge him for it, but I also think it's insane to say.
0: All right, last point of the day. Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin has been sounding the alarm publicly over NIL, and during his big room appearance, he doubled down and said that the NCAA has legalized cheating with NIL. Buy or sell what Kiffin had to say.
2: I mean, yeah, I buy. I mean, okay, let me first start by saying this. I do not have a problem with NIL in the purest sense. I have no issue players getting paid. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I don't think there should be. I don't like. I don't think there should be caps on how much you get paid. Anything like that. I do not begrudge the players. I think it's crazy too. A lot of these kids come from very impoverished situations, and they're trying to take care of their entire families. It's not just about them going out and and spending money on, on some crazy spinning spree. That's not what this is about. And it, even if it was, who cares? They it, it's market force, just like Kirby's sparking a lot of money. I have no problem with that. But he's not wrong in what he's saying. Like these players getting paid by outside sources used to be called cheating so cheating has been legalized yeah and and also people are breaking the rules because no one is supposed by rule no one is supposed to use NIL as a recruiting inducement which clearly it is being used as a recruiting inducement you'd have to be an absolute moron to not see that not understand that so yes there's a lot of cheating going on they have legalized cheating if you want to say that um, I buy it because that's kind of what's happening. I would like to see some sort of guardrails put on it. I don't know what that looks like or how you do it. A big part of me thinks once the genie's out of the bottle, there's no putting it back. I don't know. I don't know how you legislate it. I, I, I actually spend an abnormal amount of time trying to think about how you can do it, and, and I don't want to. I've got some different ideas now. not the time to dive into all of that. Maybe we'll do that on a, on a whole another episode. But I mean, yeah, it, this is what used to be called cheating. So technically, what he said is is not inaccurate. It's just yeah, they have legalized. It's legal now. So like Jimbo Fisher said, we didn't do anything wrong. I mean, technically, no, you didn't, but there are there's a lot of people behind the scenes that are subverting what NIL really is and they are using it for recruiting inducements, which technically even now still is illegal. So yeah, I really had no problem with what he said. Did you? I know you're a lane fan. No. You see that video? Him and his daughter?
0: Oh yeah. That, that was, was funny. hilarious.
2: About a heart attack what she spent. But even that's like Charlie, this man makes like seven million dollars a year. I know his, was it, how much does he spend at the store?
0: Like seven hundred dollars.
2: Which is a lot of money. Now if I had a daughter and she came to me and said she spent seven hundred dollars at whatever store, I would die probably. But this man makes seven million dollars a year.
0: Right, but it's still all It's a lot of money. Yeah, that's, that's it was just
2: funny to see him react like just a regular dad. Interesting. He's a that's he's why a we guy. love him. Do you love Lane Kiffin? Absolutely. Lane Kiffin or Mike Leach? Lane Kiffin. Yeah, he's got he's far more charming than the Mike Leach. Le- Leach is funny, but he's also kind of rough around the edges. But alright, is that it?
0: That's it for today.
2: Alright, guys. Thank you all for listening in to the Glory UGA podcast today. We always appreciate that support. I will be back early next week with our next installment in the Scouting the Enemy series, which will be focused on the South Carolina Game Gave you a brief little preview of what we're gonna talk about on that episode in today's show but we'll obviously dive much deeper into South Carolina on Monday. So make sure to check that out. And also, don't forget to check out our new national college football podcast, Never Graduate. We're uploading it to this Glory GA feed to make it easier for people. Also, to a separate Never Graduate feed, so it can be as many places as possible to help you guys access in whatever way is easiest for you. I'm having a lot of fun doing that. Charlie's going to hop on there sooner or later, no matter what she says. Curtis will jump on there with me eventually. We're working on getting a couple different guests for the show, so I'm having a lot of fun with that kind of just doing our glory UGA thing, but just on the national scale. Hope everyone has a fantastic weekend. We'll be back with a couple of different episodes for you guys next week. Thank you for being with us today. For Charlie, I'm Tyler, and as always, Go dogs!